It's truly a joy to be here with you today, and in spite of my compromised circumstances, I'm going to do my very best to stay standing before you, but the chair is there in case I need it, and I hope you won't feel offended if I do. I always tell the congregation at Harrisburg first, it's hard to preach to the lights. So I'm glad you decided to join us today right here in the sanctuary or from wherever you are watching. And even though I wasn't able to bring my amen corner with me, you're welcome to say amen if the Spirit so leads you and you feel touched. I found that sometimes I did not want to say amen, but I couldn't help myself because what was being preached was so true to heart and so moving and inspiring that I couldn't keep quiet. If you can't say amen, you can at least smile and, and say, thank you, Lord, that I'm here today. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> this morning, our focus is on prayer. And it's important to next to note that in our text today, this is the only time in Jesus's ministry that there was a request for instruction on prayer. It's also important to note that among other things, Jesus was a man of prayer. The Gospels and the New Testament record more than 42 examples of Jesus praying and more than a dozen examples of him teaching about prayer. He lived his life in daily fellowship with God. Let me say the obvious here, friends. Prayer is an act of dedication, and it is an act of communication. We wither when we fail to pray, just like the branch that's cut from the vine. If we don't pray, we will wither and die. And so I encourage you to take on the ministry of prayer as a part of your life-giving source of power. Let it also be known that when Jesus talked about prayer, hear me now, he never said, if you pray. Rather, he always said, when you pray. And that causes me to believe that prayer is essential to those who believe. It's also fair to say that while Jesus was prayerful, the disciples were prayerless. You might recall that in Gethsemane, when Jesus wrestled with apprehension and anguish, sweating blood as he prayed to God, the disciples promptly fell asleep. You remember that story, don't you? Jesus knew that once he had ascended back to heaven, his church would need to connect with him in the way we connect with God through Jesus and receive his direction and his power is through prayer. Let me underscore here that there is power in prayer. That power comes through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which was shed on Calvary's cross for the remission of our sins and to give us the access to God. You might have heard it said that when he died on that cross and said, it is finished, the doors of heaven flung open and it provided us a free ticket to enter into God's mercy and grace, his salvation, and to be adopted as heirs of Christ. Prayer is the umbilical cord that provides nourishment to the starving spirit. Prayer is the channel by which God's life-giving presence flows to us. The essence of prayer is to join God not God joining us. Did you hear that? The essence of prayer is to join God, not God joining us. Prayer draws us away from ourselves and closer to God's soul-quenching grace. That's grace that we often refer to as amazing grace. And grace, you know, is something that is not earned. It is something that cannot be bought. It is God's unmerited favor. We can't earn it, but he gives it because he's such a loving God. I believe that prayer is the power source of the church. And Jesus himself said, 
as I quote, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Is Spring Creek a house of prayer? What do they say about Spring Creek? We implemented a ministry at Harrisburg first, which was called the prayer ministry. And one of our deacons made a small wooden replica of our church house and put it in the back of the sanctuary with a slot in the top of the roof whereby people who had prayer requests on a regular basis could put their prayer requests in the roof of the church and know that we would pray over those requests. And we soon became known as a house of prayer. And people soon began to understand that we were serious about being a praying people and that when they asked us to pray, we would pray. And so we regularly held weekly prayer and Bible study meetings in our church. And if you know anything about me, you need to know that I am a woman of prayer. I believe that God hears every prayer, and I know that he answers them. I can say that I'm standing here before you as an answer to prayer. Thank you, Lord. If you find that prayer is a duty, friends, a ritual or a routine that you don't look forward to going through, it means that you don't understand how much God is in love with you and how much he's interested in everything that is of interest to you. You don't realize that God wants to hear from you through prayer. So I would suggest you get off of that wagon and you get on a new train and you start being much more active and engaged in your daily prayer life. As a matter of fact, you could become a student of prayer. There are so many books and so many ways in which we can pray, so many different kinds of prayers. One of them is a breath prayer, and I use it frequently. Just in a breath, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. Just in a breath, thank you, God, for waking me up this morning. Just in a breath, oh God, I'm so glad that you're in my life. Prayer is essential to the life of the believer. So the disciples asked Jesus to teach them how to pray. And what we commonly call the Lord's Prayer is given to them and to us. And I want to thank Sister Kathy for that wonderful job of interpretation of that disciple's prayer. Let me say that this prayer can more accurately be called the disciple's prayer than the Lord's Prayer. And it's both a guide to prayer and it is the community's prayer. So I hope when you pray this prayer, you actually pray it and not merely engage in an act of recitation. Are you with me here? What I mean by that is that the words should hold impact and the intent should be savored the way Sister Kathy did it. She didn't just recite the words. She put some energy and some force and some meaning behind them. She went a little deeper than the words themselves to give you some explanation of what those words are all about and what they mean and what our hope is when we pray to God. This model prayer signifies that we have a heavenly father who is holy and worthy of praise. So we begin with that acknowledgement. And as a model for prayer, I would suggest that anytime you begin to pray, you acknowledge who it is that you're praying to. You're not talking to the trees. You're not talking to the birds and the bees. You're talking to the maker of heaven and earth, who is holy and beyond reproach. And even though we have a very personal relationship with God, we should never trivialize that relationship or become too um, forgetful of the fact of who he is and what he is able to do. We go on to make a purpose statement in this model prayer, expressing our desire for God's kingdom to come here on earth as it is in heaven. This is a prayer for the kingdom to flood this world with all of God's goodness, not sometime in the future, not pie in the sky, but right now, right here. And it should be our business as praying folks to see to it that that happens. So when people look upon us, they should not just see us, but they should see the Christ in us. Somebody can say amen. Amen. 
we're praying this disciple's prayer, and we're asking God to let his kingdom flood this earth as it does in heaven. And we're asking God's goodness to be right here with us now, and that his desire, his will would prevail on earth as it does in heaven. And how is that possible? It's possible through us, his disciples, us, his people, us, his children. And you know, I'm reminded of the scripture that says, how great is the love of the Father that has been bestowed upon us, that we should be called children of God. And that is who we are. And as children of God, we need to be like Jesus. We need to be in fellowship with him at all times, praying and giving thanks and praising him and acknowledging him for who he is and what he's able to do. That's a call for divine intervention and all the injustices and evils of the earth to be eradicated. And that's what I mean when I said that the words should have some intent and this intent should be savored. Then in this model prayer, we ask God to provide for our daily need of sustenance. Next, we ask for forgiveness and we pledge to forgive others. We conclude by asking for God's protection against evil and temptations that would separate us from him. That's the model prayer, friends. And beyond that, allow me to add the sermonic focus, which is persistent prayer. That's the kind of prayer that I like to pray. In both gospel accounts in this model prayer, Jesus issues the admonition, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Christ wants us to have the audacity to keep asking, seeking, and knocking through the communion of prayer. And this is what persistence looks like. Persistent prayer means that we ask God like we know he will answer. We assume an attitude that says, I'm expecting you to answer this prayer because of who you are. You are a faithful God. You are a great God. You are a loving God. You are a wonderful God. You can handle this request because you alone are God. You can do anything but fail. So hear my prayer, God, and give me the answer. That's the kind of boldness and audacity that persistent prayer does. Persistent prayer requires us to confess the sin in our life. You know, our society has taught us to be very individualistic, but that's not in keeping with what the Bible teaches. And because of this, we're frequently looking to shift the weight of wrongdoing on someone else or something else. You know, that's called scapegoating, right? But the bottom line is, the Bible teaches us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so knowing that we are sinners saved by grace, we must confess our sins. Confessing the sin in our lives moves us from being accusers and excusers. Confession is the first step to healing no matter what the situation as a matter of fact, Proverbs 28, 13 says, He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. So let God be merciful to you and ask for your God to forgive you as you confess your sins. Don't go around thinking that just because you think you're all of that in a bag of chips that you have not sinned. Don't go around thinking that just because you can comb your hair and dress up and look cute that you have not sinned. We must include confession as a part of our prayers. Persistent prayer also includes claiming the promises of God. Remind God of what he has said in the past. All through the Bible, you will find God's people reminding God of what he said, what he said he wants to do and what he said he plans to do. Now, I can imagine some people are wondering, I can see the question marks over your heads out there. Does God have to be reminded? And of course, the answer is no. 
Does he forget what he's promised? Again, no. Well, here's the point, friends. We remind God because it helps us remember what God has promised. We remind God because it helps God to know that we know what he has promised, that we are familiar with what it says in his word and that we expect him to stand on his word. And you know what? He's absolutely faithful and he always will. I'm convinced that nothing pleases God more than when we remind him of one of his promises. Persistent prayer requires us to be very specific in what we ask. Specific requests will result in specific answers. Pray boldly for however you desire to glorify God, because when you pray boldly, you do glorify God. Ask God to bless you so that you can be a blessing to others. Just don't go to God with a laundry list like you're going to the Giant or to the Weiss or wherever you buy your groceries. It's not a shopping list. It's not a to-do list. It's a, a list of praise, prayer, confession, and thanksgiving. I remind you that Jesus is more than a teacher, more than an inspiring example. Jesus is the one who comes as our great high priest. He practiced prayer as communion with God and comes to give us a share in his communion with God. He not only offers himself as a sacrifice for us, he also inaugurates a holy priesthood and makes a realm of priests in him. And we are those priests. We very much believe in the church of the brethren of the priesthood of all believers. And that means like a priest in the days of all old and like a priest, as Jesus set the example, we got to be in communion with God through prayer at all times. As our great high priest, let me remind you in the words of Hebrews 7.25, he always, that is Jesus, lives to make intercession for us. And even as we're sitting here now, Jesus is interceding for us and interceding for the word that's going forth and praying that your hearts will be pierced and that your ears will be unstopped and that you will leave here changed because prayer changes things. And if it doesn't change things, it certainly will change you. As we pray as followers of Christ, we enter into a prayer life that is constant and persistent. We enter into the prayer life of Jesus, who always lives to pray for us, each and every one of us. Jesus strengthens our weak prayers. He converts our selfish prayers. He gives us the will to pray. He gives us the heart to pray, and then he teaches us to pray. Persistent prayer is not only a soul-satisfying, it is life-changing. Richard Foster wrote, to pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. So I want to ask you this morning, have you been transformed? If we're unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. The closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ. So in other words, you got to pray. You got to keep on praying. You got to never stop praying. And with Christ, I say, keep praying, keep seeking, keep knocking, and know that God is faithful. Keep asking with boldness, expecting an answer. Keep seeking with intensity, remembering that God rewards those who seek him. Keep knocking until the hinges fly off often the door is opened wide. Don't give up. Always prayer. God, pray. God hears and God answers every persistent prayer. You don't have to have a lot of flowery language. You don't have to have a lot of pregnant pauses. Pray with your heart poured out to God, full of passion and full of faith and full of belief that God will answer your prayers. He may not answer when you expect or how you expect. Ah, oh, yet he's always answers on time. 
There's a black gospel song by Daddy Peoples that declares he's an on-time God. Look it up on YouTube if you're not familiar with it. Through Christ Jesus, we have the promise that for everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Never forget that our God keeps every promise. And pray with persistence. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord.